mother named me after my father, Angus, a cow's name, which didn't help matters much because I was a big kid. My mother was in labor with me for two days, but it was my father who died during childbirth. He had a heart attack waiting for her to deliver, but this wasn't really my problem. In fact, I perceived my family situation as relatively normal until I began collecting expert feedback around kindergarten. Angus Bethune is a fat kid. He's so hungry, he eats his boogers. This was my problem, Rick Sanford. Hey, Angus, want to play pintail on donkey? You could be donkey. Whoa! As for what anybody else thinks, always remember these words and live by them. Screw them. You have to. This week. (laughs) Have to. Director Patrick Reed Johnson gives us a 1995 coming-of-age comedy. But first, this is the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Jim. Hey, now. What color was your suit? You didn't go to school dances, did you? I went to my prom, and my girlfriend at the time went to both of her proms. Never a homecoming. I had the late 90s, black and white, but no tie. I had the button. Whoa. Yeah, full 90s, pal. Yeah, I wish I could go back and do it again. I wish I could go back and not spend the money. (laughs) I wish I could go back and not do it. I think the first homecoming I went to, I think we went to Taco Bell. And then I went to, I ended up same sort of situation yeah. where I ended up going to dances after the fact because one of our good friends, I went to her prom when I was like 19, she was 18. I went to her prom and which was Hallen's prom. And it was at Packard Music Packard, Hall. No air conditioning. No air. No, exactly. I was just oh. at Packard Music Hall this week and I was like dying. Brutal. Why don't they have air conditioning? Crazy. After all these years. That's a different podcast. The Packard Music Hall podcast. HVAC podcast. <laughs> That's on uh, Patreon. That 1995 coming of age comedy is Angus, a highly underrated gem with a great soundtrack. In addition to Angus, Patrick Reed Johnson directed the awesome movie Spaced Invaders and less awesome Baby's Day Out. But he cut his teeth in the visual effects world, having worked on the TV miniseries V. Ooh, nice. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think he might have done some stuff for Star Wars, too. I could be wrong. Angus is based on a short story. Story, which that's a today years old thing. I did not know until no I started clue. researching that this is actually based on a real thing. A short story by Chris Crutcher called A Brief Moment in the Life of Angus Bethune. It's Pride Month. So an interesting, albeit disappointing anecdote is that the original script for Angus stuck closely to the source material where Angus had a gay father. However, during a test screening, a homophobe reacted with a homophobic slur or One insult. One guy. One guy. And the studio decided to cut the whole storyline. Fucking pussies. So they let one asshole fuck it up. Happy Pride Month to that guy. I hope he breaks his legs getting ran over by a parade. Yeah, you piece of shit. I mentioned the great soundtrack. It featured Green Day, Dancehall Crashers, Smoking Popes, Weezer, Goo Goo Dolls, and more. My old audio professor, Bill Brophy, used to have a bit about how the And More company seemingly makes everything because they're in every radio commercial i don't know why but to me this movie is underrated and as good as it is just seemed like it didn't deserve this soundtrack no it It is so good it's 
without the soundtrack, this is a different movie. Oh, it's totally different. But yeah, so shout out to Seth, who I'm sure remembers Bill Brophy. Oh, yeah. Some of our older listeners may know Bill Brophy as the voiceover guy from the Utterly Smooth commercials. Another interesting note is that Weezer was asked to write a song specifically for the soundtrack. They wrote, Wanda, You're My Only Love, but that song had a lyric that said, My mom drives a big rig and my daddy's gay. Mom drives a big rig and my daddy's gay. Homophobic asshole from the test screening also cost us Wanda, which was replaced with, You Gave Your Love to Me Softly. But that's a good one, too. Yeah, I agree. So, Jim, why don't you softly give us the budget and box office along with news and number ones at time of release? From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Angus! 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 Came out on my birthday, September 15th, 1995. A very, very modest monetary movie. $1.5 million budget made $4.8 million at the box office. I don't remember this movie ever being at the box office. No. At all. I remember seeing it on VHS or like a Saturday on TBS or something like that. That's how I remember Angus. And here is what was going on at Blockbuster Video with your new releases. Blockbuster Video. Talked about this a couple weeks ago, Kevin. Chevy Chase, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Man of the yes. House. Yep. Squatting Dog. House guest, Phil Hartman. Sinbad. Sinbad, great man. Met him once. Billy Madison and Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak. Billy Madison was in Outbreak. I wish he was in Billy, Outbreak. It sounded like he, he said, was he was Billy Madison and Dustin Hoffman <laughs> in Outbreak. Can you imagine? Kick a monkey. Yeah, that would have been a weird crossover. Your top video games that came out at this time. Mortal Kombat 3. I remember being oh so excited God. for MK3. Donkey Kong Country, which revolutionized graphics to me. The first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, oh my God. Amazing. I can't believe that 16-bit graphics. That's got to be 32. Nope. They jammed it on a cartridge. If only most N64 games looked that good. And then finally, the fighting game that I never really was a big fan of. KI, or as most people call it. Killer, killer instinct. instinct. There was a big killer instinct. Oh, I loved guy. it. I loved it. But at this time, Kevin, the big video game news story was the launch of the Sony PlayStation. The Sony PlayStation. Now see the outstanding technical capabilities of Sony's advanced video game system and how game developers the world over can now create a stunning new generation of interactive entertainment. For only $299, which basically eliminated the Sega Saturn from any type of inroads into the home video game market. So a couple quick stories. One, MK Trilogy. I remember after a soccer tournament I played in, like my parents couldn't buy us like a lot of this stuff, yeah. but always tried their best. I remember buying MK Trilogy from Babbage's for 75 
$75. People think, and they're so out of, they're like, oh my God, games are $70 now. I can remember when a game would be $82.99, yeah. $75, $59.99. $75. And I think there actually was like legislation that put a cap on how yeah. much games could be. But then with the PS1, which I never owned a PS1 until probably 10 years ago, our friend had one. I would go over his house. We'd play a lot of PS1. PS1 had the black bottom of the discs. Oh, yeah. I remember the load times because it was like the first video game system that had not everyone had like 3DO no, and stuff like that. So which it was even like, worse. Yeah, but like. Well, 3DO was also $600 at launch. But PS1 had the memory cards. Oh, yeah. Had load times and then would glitch a lot. There was a game called 3D Baseball. It was oh, yeah. Play, but we would just trade or add all the best players to our roster. Our roster would just be like nine home run hitters. Once the computer subbed out all of their pitchers, the game wouldn't work. Like it would freeze. It's done. Because it would like glitch. It'd be like, what do we do after all the pitchers are gone? What I love about the PS1 was the variety of games. Oh, there was a ton. Because we always, at some point in time, we wanted to make a podcast called There's Game for That, which is basically the idea that no matter how ridiculous of a franchise, a toy, an idea, they would make a video game for it. Yeah, the it. joke we always did would, would be super Forrest Gump. Yes, we had talked about doing a Forrest Gump game. So, and we do have an episode if you go back on things that should be video games yeah. that somehow weren't because how is Forrest Gump not a video game? But PS1 is the system that truly embraced that. I remember buying, we played it at your parents' house. It was like America's Most Wanted. Oh, or, yeah. Our cops or something. Some it was dumb like, shit. It was like you play as like a highway patrolman or something. I mean, it was like insane. But that system truly embraced like we're going to make everything. There were like 2,000 games for the PS1 or something. I remember because at that time being 14, if something like new video game wise, I had to have it. Yeah. I already had a ton of fucking video game systems. So the caveat was my dad was like, you want a PlayStation? You have to get rid of something else. You can't have all this shit. So I had to give up my Sega Genesis with my Sega CD and all the games. Some of those games I had for Sega CD, you know how much they're fucking worth now? Holy shit. You can go down the road and get a PlayStation for five bucks. That's what I was going to say about PS1. So PS1 probably became with, I don't know where the market's at right now, but with the exception of maybe like the Wii. Yeah. The, cause Wii's at some point you could buy them for like 25 bucks and just find games everywhere and stuff. But, um, with the exception of the Wii, the PS1 may have been the easiest access video game system because like you, there were so many games, like if you were a, a lower income family or, you know, struggled or whatever, you could probably still buy your kid a PS1 because at one point they were like 20 bucks and then games were like a dollar 99. Exactly. Like, there'd be like a whole bargain. Like you could go to any Goodwill and just yes. look in the CD racks and yep. get them for a quarter. Yeah. And then uh, GameStop even had a whole cart full of just like dollar 99 PS1 games. I remember when I got my PlayStation, I ended up getting two games and I remember they had the big black box game yeah twisted metal the first one try playing that with no analog controllers uh, horrible and oh yeah that's the other thing they yeah. started without analog without analog just a d-pad and then I got destruction derby which I still have to this day I love destruction derby but man my Sega CD was my favorite system and I gave it up for a PlayStation 1 I don't think that was a good thing you got a Sega CD back though you still I did but then it broke I would love to get another one back that's like my favorite console of all time play me some night trap PS1s probably find them everywhere Sega CDs probably pretty scarce I was looking at it just loose not even the box 150 to 200 and that's for the model 2 now if you want the model 
Model 1, which I had at one point. It's like three, 400 bucks. The CDX, forget about it. That's like $500. Really? Yeah, remember it was like the Discman, but it was a Genesis yeah. CD. Yeah, yeah, I remember I ended up getting that for 80 bucks at one time, selling it for 160 and now look what it's fucking yeah. going for. One of those regrets you always do as a kid. Now I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Kurt Loader with some MTV news. I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum opens officially in Cleveland, where I bought the Metallica Load album. Yep, great story. <laughs> One of those things I'll never understand of no, all I, the CDs I, I could have got. I love it because it doesn't matter. You will always remember that. I'll never forget it. And here's the thing. I've only been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that one time. When it first, when did Load come out? 97, I think, something like that. There's just, there's something powerful about, like, that's why I, I pretty much try to let my kids get souvenirs when we go places. Like this weekend, we're going to Washington, D.C. Uh, I will have went already by the time this is released. But there's something about just allowing them to, because, like, that's, there's a powerful memory to be like, I bought Load at uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I remember nothing of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, except that I bought Metallica's Load album. Yeah. Of all albums to buy, I bought Load. The number one movie in America, Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, Wesley Snipes, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Number one for three weeks. Pretty impressive. The week that Angus was released, there was so many wild things in theaters. Oh, yeah. It was nuts. Do you have a list? I mean... Here, hold on. Let me look real quick. Like, all at the same time. Mortal Kombat. Dangerous Minds, Seven, A Walk in the Clouds, The Prophecy, The Usual Suspects, Desperado, Showgirls, all right, Babe, Clockers, Waterworld, Something to Talk About, Apollo 13, Hackers. All out at the same time. How, Braveheart. How crazy is that? Angus. There it is. And Angus. And your favorite, National Lampoon's Senior Trip, and don't forget Clueless, too. Wow. Dude, what a fucking amount of that movies. That marquee going to the, going to, Brrr. the best we had was uh, Movie World or Regal Cinema, but yeah. I think Movie World was still open at the it time. It was. And you just see that marquee boom 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 bangers boom, bangers complete bangers speaking of a banger the number one song in america coolio jumping to the top probably maybe the number one most popular song of the 1990s not on our list check that out gangsta's paradise yep. i really hate the trip but i gotta know as they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool. And that's all that was going on in September of 1995. But a little more you know, Kevin. Do you know James Vanderbeek was also a high school quarterback wearing the same colors as he did in Varsity Blues as he did in this one? That's right, kids. John Moxon got his start in Angus. Back to you, Kevin. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna get into it. Dangerous Minds soundtrack, Coolio. I don't remember anything else from that album. I remember at McManamy's at the teen dances, uh, them playing that, and I remember huffing the smoke machine, which we've talked that about was, in the past. Kevin, that's pistol smoke fool. <laughs> it is pistol smoke fool. All right, let's uh let's tackle the plot. You gotta make sure you wait till Lane clears out this one before you cut, all right? Unless I got nothing to throw to. All right, you know what it is. It's split back right, flag, post flag on one. Ready? Break! Watch my ass. I'm watching it right now. I bet you are. 
Angus follows high schooler Angus Bethune. He's overweight. I'd say it's more in like a glandular sort of way. Yeah, he's not like, like a fat ass his, or anything. His grandpa no even fats. says like, you're big. I'm big. Your your mom's big. Yeah, he's not fat, like obese big. He's just not for, he's just, he's born into yeah, it. He's almost. born big. So he's both taller and bigger than all the other kids his age. His size, but it doesn't help that he's named after a cow. It's bad. So his size makes him very good at football, but he's also really good at science. I'm trying to prove that if you put a small abnormal element in a large homogeneous system, the system will reject the deviation rather than mutate usually causing a powerful exothermic reaction. Since he started school as a child, Angus had been the target of bullying by now star quarterback Rick Sanford, except Angus has always stood up to Rick. Angus's best friend is Troy Wedberg, who also could be described as bully fodder. He's a tiny ginger with big ears who ended up being a fucking snake. He did. He turned on Angus. Oh, in the movie. Yeah, what were you thinking? Like, he literally turned it. Like, is there another movie where he turned it? I've been watching Ghost Adventures. Anything's possible. He also stole the gumball machine. Can't hardly wait. Was that him? That was him. And he was also Sherman in American Pie. Wow. What a. (laughs) It's a lot. He's covering all the the high school teen movie bases. Yeah. Angus has a crush on cheerleader named Melissa LaFever. Great name. Who is Rick's girlfriend. (gasps) Angus is over the bullying. So he submits an application to transfer to a science school at least i think it's a science it, keep calling it a satellite school or a, which i never understood why they called school. it that yeah before we get to that rick rigs the school winter ball dance election to make angus king this year's winter ball king is not rick not rick <laughs> angus bethune oh right And Melissa is announced as Winter Ball Queen. Angus wants to kick Rick's ass again, but the principal tells Angus if he lays a hand on Rick, he'd block his transfer. Angus is terrified of dancing, basically, so he's like, I have to go to this Winter Ball, dance with Melissa. He has two left feet. And I'm terrified. That's, yeah, that's what he says. His mom and grandpa try to get him prepared with dance lessons from Dominic Toretto's grandma. That's right. right he wants a black tux, but ends up with a plum suit. Screw him! This should fit. It's purple. It's plum. It's classy. It's plum. It's your size. Everyone will be wearing black. You'll be different. That's true. I don't want to be different. I want normal. I want socially acceptable. I want a black tuxedo. It'll look great on you. And as for what anybody else thinks, always remember these words and live by them. Screw them. One day, kidnap Troy and threaten to give him. They're basically like, give us something embarrassing about Angus. He's like, I don't have anything. They break his arm. They throw him in a dumpster. It's just for fun, man. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Let's go. Hey, let it go. Let it go. Let's help. Come on, man. Let's go. See, tough guy? Man, what the hell is your problem? Look, just help us out with this. I don't have anything. Then get something, all right? This is important, you understand? Yeah, but that was all they were going to do. Yes. It's like he shouldn't have had to give them. What were they going to do next? Break his neck? Right. I mean, right. come they on. Murder him. him. Right. God. So he ultimately ends up giving them a videotape of Angus talking about Melissa and slow dancing with a blow up doll version of her. What a scumbag. What are you doing? I'm taping this. Get out of here. 
Angus, it's what jocks do. So you can see where they make mistakes. Forget it. Angus, the dance is on the 22nd. You've got two and a half weeks, bud. No one sees the tape and you don't tell your mother? I don't tell her everything. Meanwhile, Angus is helping his grandpa prepare for his wedding to his young fiance, April. Angus's grandpa's in his 70s and April's oh, like yeah. 30. Oh, yeah. And there's she ain't a- into it for the money, folks. No, she actually yeah, loves, like, him. loves him. On the day of the wedding, Angus is having a heart-to-heart with grandpa, saying he wishes he could tell Melissa how he feels. Superman isn't brave. Did you take your pill this morning? You don't understand. He's smart, handsome even decent, but he's not brave. Now, listen to me. Superman is indestructible. And you can't be brave if you're indestructible. It's people like you and your mother. People who are different and can be crushed and know it. Yet they keep going on out there every time. Except he thinks his grandpa has fallen asleep. So there's a bit in this movie. Every time Angus is talking to his grandpa, he falls asleep in his chair. Angus plays Reveille. Turns on the record. On the vinyl, yeah. Yeah. But this time, Angus thinks his grandpa's fallen asleep. Angus turns on Reveille. His grandpa's dead. On his wedding day, too. On his wedding day. Because it's a teen movie, Angus's interview with the science school is scheduled the same day as the winter ball. Angus quickly blows off the interview, realizing he needs to stand up to Rick instead of running away to another school. At the dance, when Angus is dancing with Melissa, play the videotape, causing Melissa to run outside. Outside, Melissa is not mad at Angus. I feel so bad for him because yeah. he's like, I'm sorry. She's actually mad at Rick for being an, an asshole. asshole. So they have a meaningful conversation before going back inside to complete their dance. When Rick tries to get shitty with her because he's like, what are you doing? Angus defends her. Rick punches Angus. Angus gets right up, starts pushing Rick. You're still here, asshole. I'll always be here. You'll push me down and I'll get right back up again, again, and again, and again, and again. I could beat you right here, right now. But I don't want to be better than you, Rick. I don't want to be better than anybody. I want to be who I am. A fat kid who's good at science and fair at football. That's who I am. I can live with it. Why can't you? Because it's not normal. You're not normal. And who is you? That's your ass. He'll always get back up no matter how many times he's knocked down. So the whole Chumbawamba thing. Um, (laughs) Somehow Rick still feels superior. Rick's like, this is the quintessential asshole where he's like, I like, you think I'm normal, aren't you? He's like, bitch, your ass I am. Yeah. Normal to what? Yes, exactly. Vanderbeek plays such a great fucking prick in this. Get into it. But yeah, in front of the whole school, he literally stands up and he's like, I'm basically better than all of you. You're all scum. I'm perfect. I'm the man. Look at my hair. Yes, look at my hair. Somehow Rick still feels superior happy to be what he considers normal. Angus's speech is applauded by the other students, and then Troy gets revenge for the broken arm by breaking Rick's nose. The biggest fucking whiff shot I've ever seen <laughs> so in my bad. life. And he hits him with the cast when yeah. he hurt his arm. Is he Luger? Uh, he is. He's Lex Luger. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Angus and Lex Luger. <laughs> Best tag team uh, ever. Melissa asks Angus to walk her home, and they kiss. Angus declines going to the science school. Rick got suspended for the video prank and has now lost popularity among his class. Oh, no. So let's get into characters. Charlie Talbert as Angus Bethune, one of the rare top build. No Wikipedia. Wikipedia link. 
He is Hato. Yeah, he's Hato. Angus versus Hato. That's next week. Chris Owen is Troy Wedberg. We mentioned where you've seen him. Yeah. Kathy Bates is Meg Bethune. Blows my mind. Kathy Bates is in everything. I think they did a good job, though, of casting this kid oh, to yeah. be Kathy Bates. And now, could you imagine if she would have broke her dad's George C. Scott's ankles in this? That would have been great. Yeah. Wake up, dad. <laughs> Boof. George C. Scott as Grandpa Ivan Bethune. So his role in this movie changed significantly when they dropped the dad's story. Because Angus had a dad, yeah, and George C. Scott was supposed to just be like, uh, he's just a not background. an extra, but basically just a background, yeah. maybe a couple lines. But then they were like, all right, we're pulling the dad out of this movie because of the fucking homophobe, yeah. So then they had to be like, George C. Scott looks like hey, you're Patton. gonna pay raise, man. Here's the hey, thing, Patton. Here's the thing I don't get. What could that one guy have done? Like seriously, I, I don't. what the fuck could he have done? I feel like they were looking for a reason to cave. <sighs> I feel like they were looking for a reason. They didn't. They didn't want to be homophobic and just be like, "Hey, we're pulling the gay dad thing." So and I get it's 1995, so yeah. it's a different time. But, but I feel still. like instead they were just like, "Oh, some guy's mad. We gotta undo it." James Vanderbeek is Rick Sanford making his feature film debut. Ariana Richards as Melissa Lefevre. Rita Moreno as Madame Rolenska. Toretto. <laughs> Toretto. <laughs> Wesley Mann is Miss Kessler. Or I'm sorry, Mr. Kessler. I see Wesley as <laughs> some reason. <laughs> Mr. Kessler. Robert Curtis Brown is Alexander. Anna Thompson is April Thomas. Kevin Connolly is Andy. So yeah. Mr. Kessler, you'll notice him from a lot of things. A lot of things. Exactly. He's um he's one of those like character actors. He was in My Stepmother's an Alien and a bunch of 90s and early 2000s things. A lot of TV stuff. All right. So which actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character still see? I had a hard time with this. I don't want to pick Angus. I don't want to pick Charles Talbot. Is that Charlie Talbot? Yeah, something like, something like that. Char- Charlie Talbot. Yeah. yeah, Charlie Talbert. I'm not to pick freaking Ariana Richards is that, Melissa that's exactly what I said. She is very good. Throughout this whole movie, she's quite quiet. Yeah. But then... They peel back the layers of the onion. When she is outside of the dance after she storms out, and you find out that she's not as perfect as Angus thinks she is, and she admits to being bulimic. Okay, so let's move into best wow. scenes. That's my first best scene. Yeah, that was so, mine too. I'm really sorry. Do you ever get tired of who you are? Do you know who you're talking to? Do you want to know something about me? I'd like to know anything about you. I'm bulimic. Do you know what that is? I'm a fat kid. Yeah, I know what that is. It's when you eat too much and you chuck it up so you don't turn out to look like me. Close enough. Actually, I even tried it once. When I stuck my finger down my throat, I was still hungry and I almost ate my arm. <laughs> You're the only person I've ever told. Angus, I think we have to go back inside. I think I have to tell you. I can't dance. Survive. Melissa walks out because she's so upset by Rick. Angus thinks that Melissa is mad at him. It and, devastates and he's him. Like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, I'm not mad at you. Basically like crying. And she's like, do you ever hate who you are? And he's like, look at who you're talking to. I'm a fat kid. I'm, yeah. yeah. She goes, well, I'm, I've never told anyone this. I'm bulimic. Do you know what that is? And he like lightens the mood. Yeah. I wish they didn't make a joke of it, but he like makes a joke where he's like, I even tried it one time, but then I tried to eat my arm. Yeah. But it really really like heartfelt yeah yeah and like i said this all leads up to then angus going chumbawamba so i'm taking that as one scene because 
fucking Rick on his high horse. God damn, dude. <laughs> and he's stoic about yeah. it. He's like, I'm better than you. I'm better than all of them. Yeah. Even his friends turned on him and did the slow clap. And, and yeah, and Angus's speech is like so great. Yeah, Rick just he still doesn't drop it. He's still like he has that fucking that prick look. I just looking I, like Helen Hunt. As I've said in the past, I think James Vanderbeek and Helen Hunt are separated at birth because they yeah. look quite familiar to well, one so another. Well, so we talked when we had Rob on the show for Can't Hardly Wait. We had this conversation about why Mike Dexter, because we wanted the Mike Dexter oh, yeah. redemption arc as to why Mike Dexter was this way. Because it seemed like it was going there. Yeah, because Rick truly believes, like he has been raised to believe that he is like God's gift. And he's worse than Mike Dexter. He is way worse than Mike way Dexter. Worse. He's way worse than Mike Dexter. So, and it's kind of the similar fate because at the end, remember Mike Dexter, Amanda does, <laughs> this now I can't hardly wait yeah. for Angus. Part two. But, uh, can't hardly Angus. <laughs> Angus can't wait. Yeah, so Amanda gives the big speech yeah. at the party and Mike Dexter still doesn't get it. Nope. He's still like, who's gonna want you now? And everybody yeah. claps and laughs at him. It's the same thing here. It's Rick is truly like thinking everybody's behind him when he's like, I'm better than you. And we never got the scene of like everybody walking away from Rick and he's just the only no, one left in the and gym. It's sad because we, get, we it. get it. We get it as the voiceover after where they're like, Rick lost his popularity and I'm like, you know, it's no. a great thing about Melissa Lefevre too. That character needs to get credit for this too. Comes back in with Angus, says let's dance. She accepts the fact that she is also going to let Angus's friend who turned heel yes. on him dance with them. I love it. Fuck that shit. She's awesome. She's great. Angus should have decked him and never been yeah. friends with him yeah. again. Angus totally should have punched Troy. Oh, he should have. He should have dropped him. Should have torn his ears off. That's right. So what do you got, Jim? What's your... The scene after his grandfather died. I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting watching Angus by myself and then just start fucking weeping. So his grandfather died on his wedding day, which is tragic because initially Angus didn't like the fact that his grandfather was getting married at his age. Because yeah. he sees his grandfather doing this. You're a fool, Grandpa. You're too old to do this stuff. And his grandfather's great because he's like, screw it. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. I'm happy. She's happy. Yeah. And as we know, she didn't marry him for the money because there's right. no money. There. Right. But dies on his wedding day. And his grandfather had a regular play session of chess in the park with his buddy. So you just see his buddy sitting there waiting. Here comes Angus strolling up. It's like a fall day. And like the atmosphere, it was just so beautiful. And then Angus is just walking up. You hear his footsteps through the leaves. And he comes up to the table and the guy just gives a glancing look up at Angus. And he moves the pawn forward and he checkmates the king as a tear is streaming down his cheek. And then they show the next shot of his friend understanding that he just died. And he there's reaches like sad out. music playing. Yeah. Like they set you up for and it. And then when he reaches out his uh, chest buddy and holds Angus's hand, dude, I was a fucking mess. Like I'm sitting and just crying. There was just something so wholesome and genuine about that moment. Angus, only time we ever see it in the movie is when he is berating his grandfather in front of his chest buddy. But man, it's just a connection. It's as if his chest buddy kind of became like his de facto grandfather. Yeah. Like everything's yeah. going to be okay. I feel the loss too, but man, talk about excellent cinematography, how that scene was shot. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's really great. And then to expand on your scene, I have just Angus's conversations with his grandpa. What is your problem? Rick Sanford. You break that kid's nose again? I'm thinking about it. What happens when another quarterback comes along? Because there's always going to be another quarterback, Angus. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. People suck, grandpa. 
I could knock this guy out with one punch. Forget it, you don't understand. I don't understand. That's why I wanted to go to Jefferson, okay? Because no one will know who I am. And if nobody knows who I am, I don't have to be Angus Bethune. I can't go to this dance. You're a coward if you don't. I can't dance. I can't talk to girls. But I can smash Rick Sanford's face in. You're a coward if you do. You think I don't understand? You think I don't know what people are saying about April and me? She's too young? I'm too old? Screw them! You don't see me punching anybody out. Because you're a fool, Grandpa. And I'm tired of being one. I'm a fool. Well, April doesn't think so, and I'm getting married tomorrow. I don't care what the hell anybody says about it. I need my moment, damn it. Oh, they're great. His grandpa's great. George C. Scott's awesome. He literally is General Patton. He, yes, he's, he dishes advice, mostly the screw him, where he's basically like, don't care what anybody thinks. No, Just shit. do whatever you want. Screw him. Like but, the whole thing when he was getting a suit. Put the plum on, put it in the But like room. the, we get the um, Superman can't be brave. What you a can't, good line. You can't be brave if you're indestructible. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm getting like chills a little bit because when April, after grandpa died, April brings Angus and this is where he knows like okay I know what I have to do but she brings him the suit that his grandpa bought without him knowing and it says what's it say like only open only open if you're not Superman Superman. I'm like man that's awesome dude that scene was so good and it's also ties into my next scene which I call it the Bethune theory when a small abnormal element is forced into a larger normal system the element will either be rejected or destroyed obviously but it doesn't have to be that way. If... If... If the element is brave. Brave. If the element can hold out long enough and face the torment of the system until the system's energy is depleted. If the element can look the system in the eye and say, I'm still here, asshole, then the system will have to change, adapt, mutate. And if this happens, it'll approve my fucking point. Which is what? There is no normal. Angus, where are you going? To mutate. When oh, yeah, that's ha- my next one, too. When he has the interview on dance night, he is literally sitting in his living room while his mom is watching, having an interview with a guy who looks like Doug Benson. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And he's like, where's your science project? He's like, you're looking at it. And he explains basically everything that his grandfather taught him in association with the science experiment, basically saying there's nothing wrong with being different. And it's as if his grandfather became him. Yeah. And he just stood up and he's like, I don't need this. I'm the walking theory. I'm living this hypothesis. The Bethune theory. The Bethune theory. Because he says like the chaos theory. And he's like, the Bethune theory. Screw it. So we see throughout the movie that Angus has been working on a science experiment. Oh, yeah. He is actually like a microscope and the cultures. introduces an outsider into an environment. But then like they never tell you what his experiment is until you actually see this. And then he, he like, I don't even know why Angus took the interview, I guess for the drama, but yeah. like he knew I'm not going to the school. I know what I have to do. I have to stand up pretty great. So the last thing I'll mention is the green day stuff. Why do I sweat so much? What? Why do I sweat so much? Oh, yeah. I want to hear what they're playing. Every time they play green day, the first call gets free tickets to their concert. 
the way I just thought it was so smart how they incorporated the music into this movie rather than just like playing Green Day under, you know, under the scenes or yeah. whatever. They actually were like the first caller after hearing Green Day song wins tickets to the concert. So throughout the movie, it's a reason for the radio to be on and to hear Green Day. But then, of course, Angus having like the worst day of his life. And then he hears like Rick was like, hey, I heard some guy driving by and I called and hey, I got my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. like everything. Rick wins the tickets. But the interesting thing is that Green Day's producer at the time, Rob Cavallo, is the executive producer of Angus. Oh, that's perfect. Then. So Cavallo never produced a movie. He had only produced albums for Reprise Records, but then he produced Angus and therefore made it easy to incorporate Green Day. But I love that they just didn't like have the, like we covered Idle Hands. They had Offspring play the prom. I mean, they could have like, they could have been in this. Yeah, Green Day could have just been like playing at the school dance. But instead, I just like how they layered them in organically rather than being like, here's just a Green Day song playing over a scene. And again, it could have been possibly quite ridiculous with Offspring playing in Idle Hands. I don't think anybody knew they were the Offspring. No. This, they would have known they were Green Day. Right. Which would have been an interesting prom. All right. Well, I think that's enough of best scenes. We got a spicy one. I don't believe there's a pool in this one. Where do we think Angus takes place? It kind of looks almost like a Midwestern like Chicago suburb. It does. It feels very fall like. Yeah, it does. So they definitely have a, a true fall, but I don't know where it takes place. Place, but I there's no pool because I'm pretty sure it's fall. A lot of flannels and stuff. So. That's right. So well, let's get out of the pool. All right. <laughs> a lot going on lately. Yes. We're getting negative. We're going Fuck this. with the worst song. Screw them of the have to. We're going with the worst songs of 1995. Oh, I'm so excited for this. All right, I'm Jim. I'm going first. Be my guest. I posted this one on our Facebook pool seniors group. Uh, um, this angers me. And my no, we're going to talk about this. We're going to work through it. <laughs> and I posted on my Instagram. This story. isn't therapy. I got a handful of messages. A couple defending you, saying like, "No, I totally like that song. It's nostalgic. Whatever." Thank you, people. Got a lot more messages saying, <laughs> "No, that one fucking sucks. It's terrible and it's total ear death." And I think technically it was released in 1994, but again, fuck it. It didn't hit the waves till 95. Martin Page in the House of Stone and Light. You are out of your fucking mind. I'm coming to- Bootleg Dime Store Sting, maybe even Billy Joel. The only thing worse than Billy Joel is a Billy Joel knockoff. This is music targeted to the most milquetoast white audience. (laughs) This is music that dentists listen to in their free time. I'd rather cut my dick off with a saw than listen to any amount of song that you're about to play. Okay, so this might have played a lot during my physical therapy sessions when I blew up my left knee, okay? That's what it's it's perfect for. It's absolutely perfect. This This is the official song of physical therapy sessions. I guarantee you at the end of the year on my Spotify, this will be in my top five played Jesus for the year. Jesus Christ, you're it not is so serious. Good. It's it so good. It fucking sucks. It is so good. Pretty much my top The refrain is amazing. My top five pretty much all sound just like this song. Because uh, this is the worst genre of music that exists. No, it's so good. No. It's the best of that genre. No. It's amazing. Fucking terrible. I would I would maybe almost rather listen to Billy Joel than... Really? Yes. I, I fucking, never thought you would ever say you would listen to Billy I'd Joel. I'd kiss Billy Joel in the mouth than listening remember, to In the House of Stone and Light. Then remember this song even exists. I I must go there. 
fucking hate Define it. Define my soul, yeah. Fucking terrible. Ah, oh, the fucking refrain is so good. You are the weirdest person. Uh, I wish Sony came out with a fucking in the house of stone and light video game because it would have been Sega amazing. CD. <laughs> Make your own video, Martin Page. I would have made it, and it would have been great. Yeah, it would have been nineteen cents at the Ames garbage can. <laughs> You're out of your fucking mind. Well, I would have bought it with a piece of the Berlin Wall that was on clearance. So my number five, at one point, reached number four on the Billboard 100. It's considered one of the best one-hit wonders of the 1990s. It's Joan Osborne, One of Us. What if God was one of us? Written by Prince. I do not like this song. Well, if Prince would have performed it, probably would have been better. I don't know what it is about the song. I don't know if it's the religious allegory to it. I don't know. It just, you know, what if God was one of us? The music video, like everybody's anthropomorphic. Yeah. Everybody's their own God. I know what it is when this was on Hot 101 all the time. If God was one of us, all right, if he's God with omnipotent powers, he could never be one of us because then guess what? He'd be in debt. Nobody would fucking believe him ever. <laughs> if God was in debt, yeah, would the government release it? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I would have believed them more, but I don't know what it is about the song. I just, it drove me nuts. Way, 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 way nowhere near Martin Page. No, I'd rather. I'd rather. <laughs> I'm taking this to, to my grave. Repeat. On my tombstone, it's going to say "In the House of Stone and Light." <laughs> that sucks. Um, <laughs> number four also sucks. Jim Brickman, if you believe. Which is an instrumental piano song. Don't know this at all. What is this? A wedding video? <laughs> Grow up, Jim Brickman. Try singing. Stop hiding behind the keys, you little piano bitch. I'll fight you right now. <laughs> Never thought there'd be so much hate for Jim Brickman. Jim fucking Brickman. Well, at least John Tesh is a lot better. At least John Tesh gave us round ball rock. Yeah, there you go. Do you imagine Jim Brickman? Round ball rock's fucking awesome. Or like That's Jim, like one of the greatest songs ever written. Dude, I get so amped up when I hear round ball rock. At least it's not Jim Brickma. Because that would have been Brickma. some. You have to. So I have to. At number four, at one point, reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100. It's Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson with Scream. Yep. The song fucking sucks. Yep. The music video cost way too much to fucking make. And it was basically Michael Jackson's answer to all the sexual harassment allegations. He's so angry at everybody. He wants to scream. Makes me want to scream. Why did Janet I, have to get in well, on this? Right. It, that's what it is. Everything that's what hurts about me it, more. It makes me uncomfortable uh, that they're together, that they're screaming together. And here's the thing that drives me nuts too. And when I was researching this, I find this quite amazing. Music video cost $7 million Why? to make in 1995. $7 million. It cost more than Angus. What is that? Seven million and ninety-five in twenty twenty-three. It's three billion dollars. Scream would become the first single in the thirty-seven-year history of Billboard to debut at number five on the U.S. Billboard Hot One Hundred, where it peaked. So it was the first one to ever debut at a spot, and that's it. One, if not the worst, Michael Jackson song. It's horrible. It's okay. horrid. All right, my number three, Firehouse. I live my life for you. Oh. Way too late into the 90s for this shit. It's like discount Bon Jovi. It's perfect for 1990. Yes. Yeah. Power ballads, infomercial stuff. This is basically three years since grunge took over and you still couldn't make these guys go away. It's like the Dennis Leary joke. Like, yeah, get in the helicopter, Bon Jovi. There's hairspray in there. <laughs> 
This song is credited as being the last song from a glam band to achieve this level of success, which I kind of disagree with. Like, that's a weird line because what is and isn't glam? Because Bon Jovi's bon Jovi always was glam. Yeah. And Bon Jovi continued to release songs in like the 2000s. Yeah. We don't ever remember Bon Jovi wearing eye makeup and shit. Like, they yeah. just had glam hair. I just, the weird thing with the firehouse is like, how did it happen? Who bought this? Who was it the metalheads or the glam fans who were just like, maybe this will be like another love of a lifetime. That was the other firehouse yeah. song. It was, I played that at weddings. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. But it's just, how did this song find that much success? In 95. In 95. It's yeah. like the 80s headbangers were not embracing grunge and they were just like taking any crumbs they could get. This is going to be a throwback here, Kevin, for number three, kind of. We kind of talked about this guy a little bit during our Pluto Nash episode. Oh, nice. Immature future became IMX with constantly. They had two songs here yeah. that could have made this. I went with constantly and it ended up number 16 on a billboard hot 100. It's fucking, it's just formulaic garbage. For some reason, this music video, they are obsessing over, they're 14 in this yes, video. They're right, all 81 right, guys right. like me. They're obsessing over, which looks like an older woman. She's riding an old ass Huffy. Maybe she just <laughs> looks older. Then she looks like she's homeless at one point. The one thing about immature, and I didn't know that the one guy, Jerome Jones rocks an eye patch. Yeah. You might remember this, Kevin. We talked about this. I can't remember what episode. This was a couple seasons ago. The reason he wears an eye patch. I thought it was just fashion. It wasn't. We talked about her, why this happened. He says, and I quote, why he wears the eye patch. I remember when Brandy Norwood hit me in my eye. Remember Brandy? She Whoa, got in that car she accident. killed someone. Yeah. I had a detached retina and my lens came out. I had to have three eye surgeries and she thought we'd never be cool again, but I put that on was my... Was that TJ who pointed out that Brandy was a bad bitch and he's, yeah. this is just doubling down on it. Basically here just forgives her. I love her to death. If she hear me talking, I know she can honestly hear my voice. <laughs> he's my afraid sincerity. of her. He's fucking scared. He's scared. So Brandy killed somebody in a car and then fucking knocked this guy's eye out. So, and I think it was all also 95, but Brandy did The Boy Is Mine with Monica. That was 96. Okay. She did Sitting Up In My Room. Maybe. Yeah. Monica should have just let Brandy have the guy because God, watch out for her. Fucking take him. Watch watch out. See, I thought it was just a fashion thing too. I did too. No, she knocked his fucking well, eye out. I will say the thing about Immature is it's like the whole stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. So at the time you had like In Vogue, SWV, you had a lot of like successful R&B and we talked Boys about- Boys to Men. Boys to Men. We talked about with grunge. So oh yeah. Nirvana, when we did our definitive 90s, Nirvana literally became so successful that record labels were just like, anyone you see with a guitar in Seattle, sign him. See a guy walking down the street with a guitar, sign him. He could be the next Kurt Cobain. It sort of happened because like in 95, you also had Mokin Steph. You had Soul For Real. Soul For Real, who's good. Oh, they're but great. Candy Rain's great. So many like oh. almost like one hit wonder R&B trios. But these guys are more like a new addition. It just never worked. They were in one of the house party movies. Yeah. Like House Party 3 or something, but like it never was going to happen. Well, it happened with Pluto Nash. <laughs> there you go. They were, well, that director was very yeah, excited. Yeah, huge. He's a huge IMX guy. To have IMX on the soundtrack. Now, we're up to my number two pick, but I will say we're barreling towards my number one, and I, I think you know what it is in your heart of hearts already, but my number two, Michael Bolton, can I touch you, dot, 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 there, question mark. Oh, did he mean vagina? Late stage Bolton fuck jam. But like, dude, you have to hide it more. You can't just call the song your pussy. Let me see it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, I can actually tolerate some of the bolt man, but this is like a little painful. This one has like the instruments sound like Nickelodeon toy keyboard quality. And this was a song that did like the cheap thing where it was like, I'm sure you remember this happening. This song was released as a new single for a greatest hits album. So they made a greatest hits compilation that also included five new songs. Bon Jovi did that though, too. Yeah, I think, I, always. I think a lot of people yeah. did. Yes, I think but a lot still, of people five do Five new songs. Five new songs. It's not a greatest hits comp. Great, no, it's, it's no. not. It's like, oh, I, I don't cheap. That's like cheap. <laughs> But this ended up being Bolton's highest charting song in the UK. So those over Great. the those over the pond wanted to be touched. Dot dot dot. There. But we learned a new equation: Bolton plus Lonely Nickelodeon Island. keyboard oh. equals wet. Yeah. <laughs> I I think there were a lot of women who were very wet for even though Bolton in in the eighties looked like Lobo Moronga. He it, did. He had like the tight jeans and the tucked in shirt. And the I watched wavy. that movie not too long ago. Oh. Boyfriend School does or not hold up. Had an all alternate title which was oh i can't remember what it was called i want to say it's called look who's talking but Look who's talking it's again. Something like, it's something like that. It's like... Uh, That's something we're going to have to cover. Maybe. It's not good. I grew up watching that movie. He's a cartoonist. He has cancer. He recovers from the cancer. His sister tries to set him up on dates. Gives the Michael Bolton fucking mullet yeah. blue eyes like he's Lobo. Roman Reigns. Lobo Moronga. Oh, so bad. So my number two ended up going all the way to number seven on the Billboard 100. It is Moken Steph. Okay. It is Moken Steph. In case you kids aren't down with the Moke and Steph, it's Monifa, Kenya, and Stephanie with the song. He's mine off as is A Z Z I Z Z. And it samples like a ton of music, like it, your buddy Zap. Yeah. Samples Zap. Let me read some of the lyrics. All right. So this song, it sounds horrible. It sounds like the audio quality is pure shit. They sound like <laughs> they've been filtered through a balloon. It's bad. He might be doing you, but he's thinking about me. So baby, think about another lover and go find another brother. I know he's my man. He's all in my hands. It feels good when he calls my name. Don't you wish you had the same? Feeling disgust, working your stuff, till he thinks about mine. Now he's feeling really high. You ask why? Because he's mine. Tell you something. That just ain't cool. Never fall in love with a man who don't love you. Thank you, Moke and Steph. And if you look at every worst songs of 1995 yeah. list, this is like one or two. Yeah. It's S awful. Stop trying to make Moke and Steph happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I, do, I don't think anybody remembers Moke and Steph. I, I remember the name because it's so ridiculous. It's a dumb um, name. They had to have a been, TLC. They had to have been put together by someone, right? They had to have been. They had to have been like some puff daddy or somebody was like. It was a mall talent yeah. show and they yes. put three of them together. So speaking of the, the crunched up names like that, I was explaining to my wife about how Jodeci, oh, talking yeah. about fuck jams, yeah. Jodeci used to be this awesome group and then Casey and JoJo broke off. But Jodeci was three members, right? Oh, Just yeah. three guys. So the K and the C are like the Joe and the C from Jodeci yeah. left the D behind. Pretty much. So so like, I don't but know. KC was KCI. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if, if Moke and Steph ever like dropped Ken and just became Mo Steph. I love Mo Steph. Ken Mo would have been great if they would have just swapped roles. Ken Mo. Moken doesn't work. Moken. Moken. That's a Mortal Kombat character. It's either a Mortal Kombat Moken. character or a fucking character in Star Wars. Yeah. I have to go see Moken in his yeah. enchanted tree. With his milk. Uh, <laughs> milk and Steph. Perfect. Amish group. Milk. Got it. Sign him. We're replacing. Sorry. We're replacing <laughs> Mo. 
with milk, and you're now an Amish R&B <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right. My number one starts with an R and I fucking hate it. It's my number one Rembrandt's. I'll be there for you. I didn't think you were going there with this. Be this way. Fuck friends and their white people bullshit. We've talked about it before. I fucking hate friends. I never even realized that this song is actually called I'll be there for you. And then in parentheses, the Rembrandt song. Like they knew they were going to be a one hit wonder. Like, oh, they knew. This is the one Rembrandt song. The original friends theme was going to be shiny, happy people by REM. Thank God they got rid of it. And REM was like, nah, we don't fuck with white people shit. REM um, sucks. I like REM. Warner Brothers. Sorry. Literally made the Rembrandt. So Rembrandts were on Warner Brothers records. Basically, they had this song. It needs to sound like R.E.M. So they literally took a band off their label and were like, look, guys, you're doing it. They did the uh, the Jack to Mitchell Goosen or no Jack to uh, Wiley. Oh, yeah. You're playing. No, you're, you're playing. <laughs> but that's basically what Warner Brothers did to uh, the Rembrandts. They said, no, you're playing. You're doing it. So the Rembrandts, the annoying clapping in the song. Love it. It was added like last minute. It actually wasn't in the song. It's smart. It's synonymous. And the Rembrandts are the ones who who added it. So yeah. that was smart. And then originally it was recorded as a one minute theme. And then it got extended to be released as a three minute pop song. Rock over Chicago, rock over London. Friends, it's white people bullshit. It's amazing. You bookend your five and your one with great songs. Great fucking no. songs. House oh. of Stone and Light's a great song. Rembrandt's oh. a great song. I didn't give a shit about the, the show Friends. I care less about it. Except for the pivot well, episodes. I like that. Good song. I think it's a good song. Not a great oh. song. Good song. Martin Page better. Martin Page yes. way better. So my number one, and I don't know why I thought this was going to be your number one, was a dance crossover sensation reached number 14 on the charts. Short Dick Man, 20 Fingers featuring Gillette. Short Dick Man. It's my next one. And because I think. Not good at all. And no. I'm insulted by it. I bought the cassette. I don't know why. I was a 12, an 11 year old boy Was it Short Short Man? Short Short Man. It was, I think it had short dick man and short, short man. First off it's a very derogatory song for us small penis guys. All right. Derogatory one. Then they change it to be edited short, short man. So you're making fun of people who don't have height. So right off the bat, strike one, strike two. And the song fucking sucks. It's horrible. It's even worse now. Cause I oh, listened to yeah. it. It's short dick man. It, short, short man. It sounds a lot like peaches. Yeah. Sucking on my titties. Like you wanted me like that song. Oh, I thought song? you were doing the presence of United States. No, not that peaches. peaches. It sounds like the artist peaches. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's controversial, but like it's not. It I maintains think, the same beat the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very monotone. So only other honorable mention I had was also Michael Jackson, but it was Earth Song. But I kind of like that. Uh, yeah, that big note he does that thing. But I, yeah, there were, I mean, 95 had like a lot of, and maybe it's just because it was an influential time for me to listen to the radio. Oh, Hot 101. Hot 101. Oh, but like God. Adina Howard and. Yeah, Dion Ferris. Yeah, there's so many like radio hits. Oh, like, big man, time. This is great. So I didn't have Candy any. Andy Rain. Yeah, such a good one. And Soul for Real actually has a second song called Everything You Do, I think it's called. I, I have to look at what it's called, but it, that song is actually really good all. Also, why people put Candy Rain on their shit lists are every little thing I do is what it was called. Any anything you want to mention? Martin Page, very good. He's gonna be playing at the rib burn off here in two weeks' time. If he plays the rib burn off, <laughs> I'm gonna rib burn it down. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that's. I'm standing on the hill with that. I'm not moving from it. Oh, it's a great God. song. All right. Well, we got to fast forward a few months so we can ditch the flannels and find a swimming pool wherever Angus takes place. Hey, Angus, you know what we should do? Go to the Martin Page concert. No. <laughs> Uh, cool. Totally different movie if they're like the first caller after Martin Page played. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rick uh, breaks his arm because he wanted the Martin Page ticket. He broke his arm. Like, <laughs> so, critical question. I say screw it. Let's have a talk about James Vanderbeek. Whatever I am, something you're never going to be. Amazing. Do we like him better as a heel or a baby face? I like him as a baby face because he comes off as such a good well, heel. Well, that's my next question. So do we think he's actually likable? What's his best role? What's his worst role? I've watched Dawson's Creek, the whole thing on multiple occasions. Yeah. And I was never a Dawson's Creek fan. I had a gap between classes at Kent Trumbull. I would come home and watch like back-to-back episodes of Dawson's Creek on TBS and then go back to school. You know what? Watching him in Dawson's Creek, I thought he was really good. Like my introduction to him before I mean no watch Angus the later but was Varsity Blues and we've covered Varsity Blues yeah fucking amazing as John Moxon the thing that annoyed me about him I thought he was good at Dawson but he was also in that whiny teenage archetype which he played really really well yeah but man is a fucking I think I'm better well, than he virtually plays an area yeah I mean let's be honest here <laughs> I'm he the plays, master race yeah and he you comes off like it. it he plays such a good prick it pains me to say i fucking don't like James Vanderbeek. I, okay. So he's really fun in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back because he's with, yeah. with Jason Biggs. It's really funny. I haven't seen it, but I hear he's really good playing a fictionalized version of himself in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Okay. So I think he plays himself, but like uh, turned up to 11. He played in that movie that was like an indirect sequel to American Psycho as um, Ian Summerhalder in or, it. No, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a college one. Rules of Attraction. Rules of Attraction, which That's I it. like that movie because yeah. Shannon, Shannon's awesome in in it. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's my point. I think he's good, but I think James Vanderbeek is also probably way more recognizable than he should be for what his career is. I totally agree with that because that probably mostly due to his one role of being Dawson, right? Yeah. He's Dawson Larry. It's probably Dawson and John Moxon. And, John Moxon, and those two roles have immortalized him. Yeah. But with the exception of those, he doesn't have a CV that's really good. So I asked my wife, I said, I say James Vanderbeek, and what do you say? And she says, Dancing with the Stars. He was on that? Yes. Ugh. And I think that's a good North Star because there's a reason you end up on Dancing with the Stars. You're at the end of your career and you need notoriety yes, again. Like, I'm still here. I. <laughs> that's what it I'm is. I'm still here. That's what Angus says to him. <laughs> I'm still here, asshole. I wrote a paper in college, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, about how I compare celebrity reality shows at the time to pet cemetery okay so like they were taking these like cdez level celebrities and putting them on like the surreal house oh yeah and it was giving them this boost and now celebrity reality shows still somewhat exist but dancing with the stars is probably the preeminent celebrity reality show but like when you look at like here's the cast of dancing with the stars and you're like who are any of the who who are the stars who are any of these people no idea so when vanderbeek went on that i'm like that's not a good sign for your career no but did you see this new reality show they have out now or i don't know if it started yet 
called like Mission on Mars or something like that. It's hosted by William Shatner. And you have these celebrities that are simulating like they're on Mars. Oh, Lance Armstrong's on it, which is weird. On Mars? They're on Mars. Lance Armstrong on Mars. They're on Mars and they got to work together or they could die. Not really. Not shoot, die. Kayfabe, die. But I'm like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Did they get Arnold Schwarzenegger on Mars? No. Uh, People are very mad at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why? He did an interview with Danny DeVito for a magazine where Danny DeVito interviewed Arnold and Arnold flat out was like, nothing happens when we die our body decays and we're just done and people are like basically christians uh, like the, you know the hardcore christian yeah. type that were like you know you owe your whole life to god and stuff but the people are very upset with they're trying to cancel him because he, he basically you. says there's no afterlife all right well someone i'm i'm sure i don't know if he believes in afterlife or not with all that killing he does but uh mr david mccall hey angus you got a <laughs> Hey, Angus, got a problem with Rick? Hey, have that son of a bitch come up to me. You know what? We'll beat the shit out of him together, and then you all do. I'm going to tear his fucking head off wearing that plum suit, yeah? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Hey, you want to go to that science school? Hey, kid, you want to go to that science school? You're going to go to the fucking dance tonight, too, okay? You want me to kill Melissa <laughs> Um <laughs> Melissa Fava. So, Logic, I got a, a, a handful of things. Yeah, a little bit. Is this school all freshmen? It's got the Dazed and Confused problem. I know I'm bringing up, like, a lot of old episodes on this one, but, like, in Dazed and Confused, remember the juniors becoming seniors? You never see any of the actual seniors who have graduated? No. In we this, see their Letterman's jacket. Yeah, in this, but here's, that's a problem too. They're JV football. Why do they have Letterman's jackets? Yeah, Rick they didn't is the earn quarterback of the JV team. They don't give letters for JV. No. So why do they have letters? When they have the assembly to announce the winner, fest, king and queen yeah. or whatever, where are the other, because I think they're freshmen. They're all freshmen. So where are the, yeah, they would the be. sophomores, juniors, seniors? This is a whole school full of freshmen? That's weird. Now, I remember like Howland at one point had a freshman only building. Okay. That, so maybe that's it. Uh, that's fine. But do they have their own king and queen and stuff or their own dances? Maybe. I just don't know how you make a school movie. Like Days and Confused, that one drives me crazy because I'm like seniors on the last day of school and you don't see any of them. Nope. They're all juniors becoming seniors and there's no seniors. It's like in this, it's like, where are the upperclassmen? Why would they hold a dance for just freshmen? Why are there so many people at the JV football game? There's too many people. There's Nobody like, goes to JV no, football. It's like packed the J- parents go. Like varsity plays on like Friday night, Friday night lights, you know? And then JV usually plays their games at like 1130 AM on a Saturday. Yeah. You know, and cares. like, but in this movie, JV stands are packed like a varsity game. I don't understand why they didn't just say they're juniors why or not? they're seniors or whatever. And like, well, it couldn't be seniors because then Angus, you know, defeats the whole purpose of him standing well, up. Well, then Troy doesn't even look like he should be in no, high school. No. He looks like a fifth grader. And he still was playing in high school how many years later? Yeah, no shit. Yeah, I just, it's a weird, weird thing. So one weird logic point to, I appreciate the fact that they do a scene which harkens back to 16 Candles where they reveal to everybody in the bathroom, they pay money to see girls underwear. Yeah. This, let's pay money to see a dude's pubes. Yes. Now, what the fuck? Why, why would kids want to see that? And why would they pay? They paid and huddled in a bathroom. To see a pube. I met my best friend, Troy Wedberg, the day he charged five cents to see. My cousin, Gamacare. Whoa. <clears throat> no way. You are such a liar. Give him his pubic hair back, Rick. 
If I was a teacher that walked in, I'm thinking, oh, they got girls' underwear. Pubes. Like, listen, I wish yeah, I didn't have they've pubes. They've got drugs. They've okay. Got, yeah. I don't want pubes. They're, it's like a bush down Why don't there. Don't you near them? Near them. Ugh, I don't want that kind of chemical near the snag. You know what the I mean? Snag. I don't want it. House of Stone and Light, okay? Uh, <laughs> it's a House of Stone and Light down there. <laughs> Why don't we see April until the wedding? Do we think there were deleted scenes? Oh, yeah. Because, like, so I always thought it, two things were weird. One, at the wedding, April calls for Angus. Does she ask him to zip up her dress? Yeah, she does. She asks him to zip up her dress and ask, how do I look? And should I have the rosette or not? Or whatever it is. This is odd because we've never met this person. So like, how does she have this relationship with Angus? Even Angus almost comes across very combative yeah. because he drills her on when does he take yes, his pills? Right. She's like 12 and five, one and four. Yeah. And then when she brings Angus the suit, she kisses him on the cheek and runs away. Yeah. But I'm like, they slept together. <laughs> they slept together. Mm-hmm. Um, Post mature. I don't understand why there had to have been an earlier scene where with grandpa yeah. and April or it just never got filmed because of the deleting gay dad because delete the gay dad. We don't want to see grandpa and April making out. We don't want to see there it. had to have been a scene where at least April is around. She comes over for breakfast or something. We don't meet her until the wedding. It's so no. strange. Here's one. And I find it weird because you don't see this in any other movie. Angus, the kid who is bullied, constantly stands up to the person who bullies him throughout his entire life. He has beaten the shit out of his bully since he was like seven. Why does Rick still have a complex? Yes. because Rick that, should have already been beaten into submission. I'm not going like, to fuck with that him. That is like a tried and true bullyproof method. If a bully picks on you and you kick the shit out of him. He's done. He's usually done. Like in and real look, life. Look what Angus does for him in the football game. And, yeah. he's, and Rick still gets all the fucking yeah, glory. Yeah, the teacher gives him the glory. But don't stuff. you think all of his friends, because you have to think they're freshmen. Everybody's going to have the same friends they've had for years ever since they switched schools and in the main school. You know, like I don't know of every school system did that or not but whatever these kids are going to see rick constantly getting the shit kicked out of him by angus you would think he would have no friends and rick would be the one who should be the angus role right different i'm going to skip over this one because i think you may still be picking it but i'm going to go with my biggest logic issue something that drives me insane so Angus wants a black tux. Yeah. But the one he tries on is way too small. And the suit, like, so that all they have is this plum suit or whatever. Which, why? Yeah, right. Does he not wear a black suit to the wedding? He does. Did they rent that from the same place? <laughs> I can't imagine this place having multiple suit rental places. Yes. So American Commodore, if he didn't rent it from the same place, go to the place you got that black suit. If he did wear that fucking black suit, the black suit is better than the plum suit. Don't wear the black suits. Not a black tux, but the black suits still better. Doesn't every place have a big and tall. Come on. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's just strange that it's like one of the big pivotal moments in the movie is the, the plum suit. But then it's like, but we see him in a black suit. Yeah. He should have been wearing, the plum suit at the wedding. At the wedding it should have been his like, only suit. Yeah, because then that's he's his Superman. Suit. Yes. In this one, I I'm gonna tell you it like I have it written out here. Troy's dad has a sex doll named Wanda that he kept in his waiting room that Angus inevitably learns to dance from. I'm done. <laughs> There's and why does Troy's dad have a sex doll in the waiting room of his office yes. and it's named Wanda? Yeah, it's weird. And then when Angus is practicing by himself and his mom walks in, first off, it looks like he he fuck punctured it because mm-hmm. the way he's holding it. And I'm assuming from the look at Kathy Bates, K Bates, if you will, she's thinking he is banging. Yeah. Oh, it. yeah. She's fine with it. Well, she seems okay with it. 
How would you feel? I, I don't know. I, in the nightmare. I have an, another Troy issue, but you've mentioned it. I thought you were going to bring it up in logic, so I left it for you. Why does Troy give up the video? There's no Is reason for him to. Is it just because he's shitty? Because, like, I know that he's afraid of Rick and his friends, but Rick and his friends don't know that the video exists. Yeah, they don't. And Troy's arm has already been broken. What? So, like... He's going to rip his head. He's going to kill him. <laughs> He's fucking dead. Saving McCall. I just don't know why. Because, like, if Troy didn't give them the video, did Troy think he was going to get their acceptance? They already broke his arm. What more can you possibly do? And in the end, I'm sorry, Angus would never do that to him. No. Period. No. At all. Angus defended him constantly from this bullshit. And I really hate their, like, makeup scene. Because they kind of uh. argue, but then they're like, you want to walk in together? And they're like, yeah, buds. Is the principal in cahoots with Rick? Comes is it, across like Is it a... quarterback privilege? Because why does the principal mark down on Angus for saying, you fight him, you're not going to that school. It's like the principal can recognize that Angus is the star football player. Yeah. And he doesn't want to lose him for football reasons. But then there's other moments where it, like when Angus is like pushing Rick down and it, it seems like the principal like, and maybe it is just quarterback privilege, the principal protecting Rick. Of a JV football team. Of JV, yes. <laughs> there's like a lunch scene. Why does Troy wear that hat? It's like a shower cap, but he kind of looks like the great Malenko. <laughs> um, <laughs> That scene, are you talking about the one where they're like outside yes. of like a cafeteria? There's one shot that I find very weird. So they're sitting there talking. He's staring at Melissa Lefevre and Rick stares back at him. Meanwhile, there's a, a pullback shot. There's also a guy sitting at their table, yeah. just randomly sitting there, just listening to their bullshit conversations. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. Get out of there. Yes. Yeah. Is he your other friend that we just don't meet? Before I get to my last thing, one scene that I just thought of off the top of my head that just doesn't feel like it fits Angus's character is at that football game when Rick throws the interception, Angus decapitates the dude, dude fumbles. Hit stick the shit yeah, it's out like of Keith him. Keith Kachuk's head on Jack Eichel the other night. Hit sticks him, and then of course the ball. You mean Matt Kachuk. That's his son, isn't it? Yeah, Matt Kachuk. Or, yeah. Yeah, Matt. yeah, Keith Kachuk. You Keith think was the, Oh, yeah, yeah. But whatever Kachuk it was, they hit Jack Eichel. He got Kachuk. He got Kachuked and fucked. <laughs> so in that scene, before Dawson throws the interception, he tells Angus, watch my ass. He does. But Angus is staring at Melissa. Yeah. And he says, I am. It's like weird that Angus is like, jam. yeah, like it's <laughs> weird that Angus is like, I'm looking at your girlfriend. And then, cause then, um, you know, then he says, I bet you are or something like he gets off knowing that Angus likes his girlfriend. Angus is the Billy Bob that John Moxon really did. need. Yes. Who didn't get a concussion. Man, imagine, imagine if Angus would have transferred to West Canaan oh. and you would have had Angus as uh maybe a left tackle and Billy yeah. Bob as a right tackle oh. or. Billy Bob is a left guard and Angus is left tackle, man. And then Angus has to deal with Kilmer. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you trying to do science, boy? <laughs> you wearing a plum suit? <laughs> Why do gym teachers in teen movies always want to make sure the kids are showering? Uh, was that a thing in the 80s and 90s where it was like, it was state mandated that the kids had to take showers? If I was in gym, I'm not taking a shower in gym. I'm going home. This I don't give in, a shit if I, I mean, stink. I think we could probably do a super cut of like all the 80s 90s 2000s movies where the gym teacher is trying to enforce someone taking a shower like just one of the guys has one but like well she had tits well right so. well right that would make sense yeah. but like troy's like 
have a, a doctor's like, note or yeah. whatever. And isn't it from his dentist or his mom or I don't know. But um, he's like, no, no, no. It's just weird. That's what Michael story. Jordan Cologne was for. Okay. Just spritz all over yourself. Okay? There you go. You've been uh, dropping some words on spritz, <laughs> snag. Yeah. You I need to go to sheets. <laughs> Get some swag. That's right. What's the legacy of this movie? Just a good teen movie. Yeah, very underrated. Underrated. It's a teen movie that is more of a drama, I would say. There are definitely comedy and very watchable, but there's definitely a, a more of a dramatic element and like a message to it. But that's probably because it's based on a book. And I did not know that next week's movie, which we're not going to announce yet, is also based on a book. I didn't know that either. I didn't know. It's based on like a French Shakespeare knockoff. Well, one thing about Angus, which is great, if this movie would have been done the late 90s this would have been probably more of a teen sex comedy yes there's no sex involved here no which sex. is nice do you think rick and melissa were having sex <sighs> freshman i don't think so handies they gotta do at least hand jobs maybe i don't think you go to the Bold blow job level hand job, baby. <laughs> all right stick around for some plugs pool sceners once again thank you for listening to this episode of the show and don't forget as always like comment subscribe rate and follow apple spotify and podbean you leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air we'll send you out a bit of a prize also don't forget check us out on facebook instagram and Twitch. You guys are unsure how to get there? We have a one-stop shop now, and it's called Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Pool Scene Podcast. If you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way, help for future content, maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us, there is a link at the top of the Linktree that will send you to basically a tip jar. We love you guys, and thank you once again. And now... Back to Kevin. So, final app guy, do you know how to hand jive? Yeah! The final lap! So speaking of hand jiving, there's a Pink Ladies series. I don't know what channel it's on. It's I don't a Pink know. Lady. Pink Ladies from Greece. I've never seen it. Are you fucking kidding me? Why would you I like watch? House of Stone and Light, but you haven't seen Greece? <laughs> no, I've never seen Greece. Jesus Christ. I don't Jim. like musicals. Oh my God. Greece is iconic. In Greece, there are the T-Birds, which is Travolta and his boys. And then there are the Pink Ladies, who okay. are the, the girls that they associate with, you know, the poodle skirts and the cardigans. Yeah. So there's a new TV series. I don't know if it's streaming or, or what. And I haven't watched it, but it's called The Pink Ladies. And it's it's just basically in the Grease universe. Well, one of the main characters of the show dropped out of the show halfway through season one. And for the remaining episodes, they photoshopped his face oh. onto the character. And it looks insane. It looks really? straight out of No Mercy. That bad. Yeah, it is because they didn't fo- they didn't animate it talking or anything. Like they didn't even use like deep fake technology. They literally Literally, Cheap. every time you see him, it's like they took another dude and were like, put on a green face mask. <laughs> and then they do, it's just a still image of his yeah. face. It's insane. It's so crazy. It's what they should have done in the Fast and Furious universe with, with Brian O'Connor. Got a Brian problem. Yeah, exactly. Speaking Spe- of Fast and Furious. Speaking of, segue. I like to give the update. We'll do this for a couple weeks every episode. So currently, as of recording, June the 7th, 2023, Fast X. 
X has made 660.3 million. It's gone over my 650 plateau. So it's on its way to, I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be somewhere around 760. I think that's where we're going to end up. Another 100 million in it. I think we'll be good unless they do another late summer push, but we're getting into the Flash movie. We're getting into all these juggernauts now where it's going to start hitting the skids here. But yeah, we're almost at 700 million dollars for Fast X and Jason Momoa. Kevin. Yeah. So Vin Diesel is so Fast X, I think, may have been the most poorly critically reviewed Fast and Furious movie, probably since Not going good. back to the early first couple. Yeah. Vin Diesel in true Vin Diesel fashion. He's blaming Jason Momoa's overacting on basically the poor reviews. Yeah. But they kind of have to lay in that bed now, right? Because you've, like, you've set that franchise up and, and we apologize if you haven't seen the movie or you haven't listened to our spoiler cast, but they've set Jason Momoa's character up to be the villain in the last few movies, last couple movies. But unless something changes, but Vince now Vin Diesel. Gone. Yeah, but now Vin Diesel's blaming Jason Momoa. It's all kind of ugly. The other rumors that's circulating is that. So again, spoiler, skip ahead if you haven't seen the movie yet. Warning. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. John Cena's character dies. He sacrifices himself, or so we think, because we don't see the body. There's no funeral. It may have been a condition for another spoiler. Spoiler alert. The Rock returns as Luke Hobbs. Oh, yeah. People are saying that the only way The Rock would return is if they took out John Cena. I have a hard time believing that, though. I don't know. I just think The Rock and Vin Diesel just did not get they along. Didn't, but they didn't. But I can it. also see The Rock being just that guy to where he's like, no, one wrestler per Never movie. before, never again. Yes, even though three. it's happened three times. Exactly. Yeah. I just think, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I could believe it. But nobody is ever really dead in the Fast and Furious universe. Not at all. I guarantee you somehow, some way, Cena survived that. He somehow, when his car landed upside down, there was a manhole cover. He fell down the manhole. They'll think of something. I don't know what, but there's money to be made off Jacob Toretto. Jacob Toretto needs a redemption story done right. Yeah, maybe, but I, I we're running out of time to like yeah, you got do, two movies. Do that sort of thing. I don't know. So next week, we're going to do a little something special. Yeah. Not going to announce anything quite yet. Again, something I think has been hovering on our list for a while. And oh, yeah. Going to have some fun with it. Stay in the 90s. Very special pool check. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Silencia. I must go there to find my soul, yeah.